back to Michigan from Utah, and we're discussing and trying to get some notes down about our uh, Italian trek, more Italian trek, which we completed last year. We want to talk a little bit about equipment and stuff that we use. We'll share comments back and forth as we go. The audio on this segment is less than desirable, so please, once again, pretend you're back in 1846 where there's not high-quality sound systems. The only other major piece of equipment which each mess needed were their um, camp kettles. Uh, now, camp kettles was another thing which, from a research standpoint, was very confusing. Did they use Dutch ovens? Dutch ovens are very large and heavy, and, and for a... Uh, army on the move uh, for five men, ten men, what have you, uh, something as large as a Dutch oven uh, was just not practical. So in fact, that's not what the army issued uh, to each mess of men. For each mess of men, five men, they were issued three nesting buckets made from light tinware. So a tinsmith would have made these buckets edges rolled uh, with wire, and uh, uh, we, we looked around on the internet, and we looked at a number of different places to see if we could find any, any source of these, and, and we could not find any. So what we did is, uh, Denny tracked down from the Stur, S-T-H-U-R, uh, Living History Museum in S-T-U-H-R, in Nebraska, what town in Nebraska is that, is that Grand Island? Near Grand Island, I, if I remember correctly, uh, Nebraska, the Stewart Museum has a uh, docent uh, on their staff who makes tinware. He's a tinsmith. So, uh, again, from Steve Alley, we procured a set of plans uh, showing the dimensions of these buckets, uh, these camp kettles, and uh, we sent those on out to uh, a gentleman at the Stewart Museum whose name was... Uh, we're saying Randy, but I don't think that's right. But anyway, we'll track that down. Um, and we had some discussion with him, um, and he was kind enough to make us three sets of these camp kettles, uh, again, so we could outfit three-tenths of five people. Um, he also made the plates and the tin cups that would have been period correct, or nearly period correct, for a mess of men at that time. Uh, one other item that was made was a, a wash, a, a, uh, a wash, a wash basin uh, for for a mess. But we only had one of those made. Uh, so there were 15 cups, 15 dinner plates, uh, a total of nine camp kettles, uh, three that would nest in each group. Uh, the only other tinware that we actually went out and purchased were three punched tin um, lanterns, candle lanterns, that we were able to obtain out of Nauvoo, Illinois. Um, the, we, we recognized that uh, we needed utensils. We were able to find those online from one of the subtler uh, companies that sell uh, period authentic equipment. So we had a knife, forks, uh, a spoon to purchase in Goodwill store. Um, but knife and fork, uh, kind of a modified butter knife for, for the knives, and, and 
three tying forks uh, for each person. Of course, you're going to need something to put all of this in. Uh, and so uh, one of our young men, Phil Smart, Philip Smart, in Midland, uh, was looking for a Eagle Scout project to, to work on. And uh, he teamed up with Brent Jensen and, uh, and other people, Paul Sandor, to, to manufacture and build us three um, chests, if you will, about two and a half feet square on the end and about two and a half feet long um, with a hinged lid into which uh, with a tray that would sit in the top of this. And so when he made three of those, uh, each one would hold camp kettles. Uh, Lodge Corporation, Lodge Cast Iron Corporation was kind enough to donate to us three Dutch ovens with uh, tong uh, lifter. Um, and we want to thank uh, Lodge Corporation as well for their donation and uh, contribution to us. Um, so since baking bread is something that uh, is really tough to do on a since some of the families that went with the battalion probably would have had a Dutch oven. Uh, we felt it appropriate to have some of those in camp, even though they were not necessarily issued to each mess of men. Um, we'll make those plans available for the tinware uh, in, in the book. So into the, each, each of these boxes and trays, uh, we would put, uh, Denny worked with another lady to produce a, set of menus, uh, many of which were period authentic or at least uh, made from authentic foods that would have been available at the time. Uh, we didn't try to make them exactly from army rations that would have been issued, but we stayed pretty close to that. Uh, early on, once we started doing the Mormon Battalion reenacting uh, at uh, Bay City, uh, as I would read through the journals, uh, I would just make note of different foods that were mentioned at one point or another. So besides the uh, army rations that were issued, um, I came up with a list of nearly a hundred different foods that the battalion members mentioned in their journals at one place or another. Uh, so there was a wide variety of food that was available. Uh, now we didn't want to go too far afield there, so one of the speakers that uh, we had at the Fort Leavenworth uh, seminar was Dave Dave Hinkley, H-I-N-K-L-E-Y, who has done a lot of work on, on foods and menus of, of the time. In fact, he's published a few books uh, on this topic uh, for Frontier and Army Cooking. And Dave was gracious enough and was, was asked by Steve Alley to present at the, at the uh, Fort, uh, Fort Leavenworth again. And Dave assured us that uh, the battalion, as was common for armies at the time, would have scrounged anything they could have found along their way. And in fact, that is supported by battalion journal articles, particularly coming down the Missouri River, where there were some farmers and some fields that uh, the men would go into the fields and, and uh, appropriate what they wanted, sometimes uh, at the great displeasure of the property owner. Uh, so foraging for food uh, as an army moves is, is a time-honored and time and well-known uh, um, function of an army. And the battalion, I'm sure, did a lot of that, um, according to their records. 
so in each of these chests, uh, food chests, uh, uh, Denny placed a um, set of menus that had been prepared and laminated and, and uh, made available to for anyone. When they came with us, the, they would be provided the raw material for the foods, and then they would have to come up with uh, whatever menu item they wanted to cook. Uh, there were some general instructions and some general ideas there. Now, of course, menus uh, probably were not provided to the battalion, but it, we wanted people to not starve to death and have a have an idea for some reasonably good meals that they could provide for themselves. One of our favorites, one of our favorites, uh, developed from a bean uh, stew, and uh, we it's called a succotash, but was it Texas succotash or what was the Lima beans, corn, cream, bacon, or ham. Uh, it was pretty good. And uh, uh, you could make it thicker as thin as you wanted to, uh, but uh, as a succotash. And, and, and uh, Bob Tingey, when he was with us, uh, always kept referring to, when are we going to start suffering? He would ask, "When? Uh, where is the suffering? I thought we were going to suffer on this trek. And... Uh, assured him that we would be suffering, but it would be suffering succotash that we would suffer with. Um, but it, it was quite good. We enjoyed the succotash and the other menus uh, items. Uh, the set of menus will also be provided in the book. Uh, note to ourselves again. Other equipment that we were able to procure and supplies. Uh, we purchased uh, just a whole boatload of candles, emergency candles. Uh, they were you know, well manufactured. They're modern manufacturers, so they probably weren't terribly authentic. But uh, I, I don't know what the period authentic candle looked like uh, that would have been issued to the battalion. Uh, we found in Texas a number of years ago a uh, company that made lard soap. Uh, so I contacted the uh, company, and the owner uh, spoke with me and found out what we were doing and was kind enough to donate. Uh, gratis uh, 100 bars of soap to us, uh, for which we want to thank uh, Grandma's Lye Soap. And uh, we'll have to look up, uh, again, the owner's name and, and specific company name uh, out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. But uh, we want to thank them as well. Um, okay. And various sundry items that uh, went into each each of the messes uh, box, ladle, sharp knife, Dutch oven cleaning kit, uh, cutting board, uh, just a number of various small items that are, were necessary. Glove to protect their hands when they picked up hot hot pans, and uh, and that was the basics for each of the groups' uh, food box. Um, Tonight we're getting to visit with Phil Smart and Brent Jensen, who helped build the food boxes as part of our period equipment. And so, Phil and Brent, thank you very much for joining us, and we're excited to hear the things that you're going to share tonight. Thank you. Phil, how did you come to help us with the food boxes? You know, I would think it was, uh, I think it was first suggested by my father, because um once you got the 5013C? 5013C, correct, <laughs> uh, you became... Um, eligible to assist in some type of capacity for a Eagle project. And I'm not quite sure exactly who had suggested making food boxes and tent steaks. Um, I just know that there was a need. Um, 
obviously, you know, being, I think, what was I, 16, 17, um, there was a little bit of pushing on that end from my parents, but uh, I think it was well, well worth the time. I feel a little bit, maybe I was able to skirt around the edges of said Eagle Scout project, but uh, I'm glad to have it. <laughs> well, great. Well, did you have woodworking skills to begin with? Um, I had a little bit more of a, a fancy, but nothing, nothing like Brent's knowledge. Absolutely not. Brent, how did you get involved? Do you remember? Well, I had done a few little projects for uh, Phil's parents, uh, little odds and ends, and they knew of my uh, love or my desire to do, you know, woodworking as a hobby. So Phil asked me if I'd be willing to help, and I told him I'd be glad to. I've been helped a couple of young men over the years with various wood projects, and Phil, uh, I was happy to help him, and he was a very willing student. He had an interest in the topic and wanting to learn how to do that, and he had an aptitude to do so. Well, Phil, did it seem like it was a little daunting to you when you uh, first got saw the plans and everything? Absolutely. First off, I'm not really one to ask for help in the first place. Got a little bit of pride that maybe needs work down there, but uh, absolutely. You know, I think anything... Most things that you don't know are, are challenging and end up being challenging. But, uh, you know, Brent was a great architect. He, uh, I'm not sure who gave the uh, specifications, um, but, you know, came up with a plan and was able to execute. And, uh, like, uh, he was very, very pointed on safety. Well, just to comment briefly on that, I think we got the rough design from Kevin and, uh, you know, kind of what he wanted to have done and then we just uh, pulled together the rest uh, from you know woodworking type um, approach Effective. to make sure we yes exactly so we had a had a good box and something solidly built and uh, and that was based on the dimensions and things that were provided by Kevin just from my perspective just so you understand how important those boxes were the way you built them um, you built them to fit the cookware that we had I don't know if you remember that, but we had these big tin um, nesting pots and we wanted to protect them. And so you not only built just a plain old box, but you put dividers in them so that the Dutch ovens would not slam against the tin pots and dent them. That's correct. I couldn't remember if it was dividers or if it was like a, uh, you know, like a double tiered box with a you know you had the lid that opened up and then you could remove the interior shelf i could not remember if that was yeah it was constructed i do remember they were specific for the utility of uh, the pots and pans but i just couldn't remember exactly uh, how it flowed so that's right because i remember doing a lot of dados and rabbits on there yep yep (laughs) well there was a tray in the top and i will share with you because i am the one that got to use them so you may have built them but i'm the one that came to love them (laughs) well i'm glad that they could help (laughs) they were amazing you could i could take out one of those boxes and my cook kitchen and i could have everything i needed to prepare a meal it was incredible and that we were in places where there was nothing and i wasn't afraid if i had water i could and the food i could do whatever i needed to with those two items because of the way that they were organized so it was amazing and what was really fun was to see the people when they did come we had a family 
uh, come from California that spent Christmas with us and we just gave them a box and their cook kitchen and they went at it. And you, it was fun to see their eyes light up when they saw and opened that lid and saw everything they needed was right there. Well, good. Excellent. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad that they worked out. Uh, you know, I think it's, uh, I gotta say stuff is not made well anymore. So I'm glad that they, uh, were able to stand up to the challenge. They were very well constructed. Well, what we would just wanted to talk about today was, um, the building of the cook boxes and, how you two work together and I guess Phil it was your ego project right it was I gotta be honest I think Brent did a little bit more of the uh planning for those boxes than I did I think I did a little bit more of the organizational Brent what were your thoughts in terms of the whole experience with trying to build those anything stand out in your mind I have always you know like I said don't mind helping and assisting people and doing that project. So I thought, sure, why not? I'd love to do that. I've known Phil for a number of years and I was glad to help him uh, go about getting that done. So, yeah, And I certainly appreciated it. So, When you were going through the process of building them, were there challenges you had to overcome? Now you're asking for some memory of way back when. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I remember the overall project being a positive experience, but I've never had a project yet that didn't have a few little challenges of some kind along the way. Um, I'm sure we did, but I don't recall specifically what they were. Maybe Phil has a, a better memory there. I'd have to agree with Brent on that one. I cannot recall. I know that uh, just more from an organizational standpoint, finding people to assist and come in and, you know, and cause with a, with an Eagle project, you can't just, you know, do it all yourself. Right. So um, I know that there might've been a little bit of that organizational than it, that had some uh, some issues, but overall, no, I think it I think it went rather well. It was exciting to have them delivered and put them on the truck. And so, the other thing I wanted to share with you was when we were in New Mexico, we had some young girls that came into our camp. They had this huge festival at this living history uh, rancho, Rancho de los Golas Drinas, and these young kids came into our camp and saw our set up and they stayed for hours their mom had to actually pull them away to take them home and they wanted to cook everything they actually ran up the hill there was a an old mill grist mill and they ran up and ground got the guy to grind them some flour so they could make some rolls and that was an interesting experience to me because when they brought it back the flour was warm (laughs) you know usually when you go to the grocery store it's just in a bag and you mm-hmm. room temperature, but it was interesting to feel the heat come out of that flower. Just want to thank both of you because um, seriously, you did not get to see the fruit of your labors. Those boxes were enjoyed and they created a lot of memories for a lot of people, including myself. So thank you very much. Of course. And you're very welcome. Are there any other things that you think of or had wanted to say? I want to make sure I capture those. No, uh, same here. I was just happy to be part of a, a very good memory for uh, you guys and the journey that you made. So glad to Absolutely. have been a part of it. Absolutely. Just a just a reminder on that, though. You know, they are just boxes. I think what made the the event special is I think it was probably more your enthusiasm and Kevin's enthusiasm. You know, totally agree with that. These are just you know, it's just equipment. 
Well, we couldn't have done anything without your help. So thank you very much. Happy well, to be of service. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Grant, what were your thoughts in terms of the whole experience with trying to build those? Anything stand out in your mind? I have always, you know, like I said, uh, don't mind helping and assisting people and doing that project. So I thought, sure, why not? I'd love to do that. I've known Phil for a number of years and I was glad to help him uh, go about getting that done. So, yeah, And I certainly appreciated it. So, When you were going through the process of building them, were there challenges you had to overcome? Now you're asking for some memory of way back when. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I remember the overall project being a positive experience, but I've never had a project yet that didn't have a few little challenges of some kind along the way. Um, I'm sure we did, but I don't recall specifically what they were. Maybe Phil has a, has a better memory there. I'd have to agree with Brent on that one. I cannot recall. I know that uh, just more from an organizational standpoint, finding people to assist and come in and, you know, and cause with a, with an Eagle project, you can't just, you know, do it all yourself. Right. So um, I know that there might've been a little bit of that organizational than it, that had some uh, some issues, but overall, no, I think it I think it went rather well. It was exciting to have them delivered and put them on the truck. And so the other thing I wanted to share with you was when we were in New Mexico, we had some young girls that came into our camp. They have this huge festival at this living history uh, rancho, Rancho de los Golas Drinas, and these young kids came into our camp and saw our cooking set up. And they stayed for hours. Their mom had to actually pull them away to take them home. And they wanted to cook everything. They actually ran up the hill. There was a, an old mill, grist mill, and they ran up and ground, got the guy to grind them some flour so they could make some rolls. And that was an interesting experience to me because when they brought it back, the flour was warm. <laughs> you know, usually when you go to the grocery store, it's just in a bag and you mm-hmm. room temperature, but it was interesting to feel the heat come out of that flour. Just want to thank both of you because um, seriously, you did not get to see the fruit of your labors. Those boxes were enjoyed and they created a lot of memories for a lot of people, including myself. So thank you very much. Of course. And you're very welcome. Are there any other things that you think of or had wanted to say? I want to make sure I capture those. No, uh, same here. I was just happy to be part of a, a very good memory for uh, you guys and the journey that you made. So glad to have Absolutely. been a part of it. Absolutely. Just a just a reminder on that, though. You know, they are just boxes. I think what made the the event special is I think it was probably more your enthusiasm and Kevin's enthusiasm. You know, totally agree with that. These are just you know, it's just equipment. Well, we couldn't have done anything without your help. So thank you very much. Happy to be of service. One of the fun things that I learned, which shows to go how much I know, which was very little when we started out, and I still have a lot to learn, but when we first got our best kettles, they were all shiny and bright and clean. They were just beautiful. And so after the first time we cooked on them, of course, they started to get black on the bottom. And Kevin had told me to smear dishwashing soap along the outside of the kettles because it would be easier for them to keep clean. And so I started washing off the kettles every time, and I thought we needed to wash the outsides. Well, when we got to uh, Fort Leavenworth, and Dave Hinckley was out, and I went to his fire, cook fire, and saw what his kettles looked like, I thought, oh my goodness, I should have never tried to scrub those pots, because the real thing you want is a nice, hard, black coating all around on the outside of those pots.
so from then on, I didn't wash the pots. And now some of our pots that were used more often have some black on the bottom, but it's still not anything close to what Dave Hinckley's look like. The other thing that I learned um, was because of the soldering joints in those tin pots, mess kettles, you couldn't boil or cook small amounts of liquid in them. You had to have a substantial amount of liquid in it or it would melt the soldering joints and then they would start to leak. So that was something that we had to work out and learn. The other thing was because of the seams and the joints of the solder inside the pots, you had to be meticulous about cleaning them or else food could get stuck in there and it could cause you to have some bad stomach ailments if you didn't keep them clean. Dave Hinckley said that every time he goes home from a reenactment, he gets his Dremel tool with a wire brush and he goes around the inside of the seams and the joints to make sure that they're clean. We never had a chance to do that, but one of the things that I thought was funny, and I do have a copy of it in my files, which I hope we can put online with all of this information, is a poem that was written by uh, someone, and it's posted in Fort Larned, Kansas, by their mess kitchen, and it talks about the importance of cleanliness with their cooking pots. And so after I had heard Dave Hinckley explain what the problems could be if food wasn't cleaned properly out of those things, then I realized that poem was more than just supposed to be a funny rhyme. It was really supposed to help those men remember that it was important to keep them clean. that was a real challenge for us initially on the trek was how to provide heat for our cooking. Um, we knew that in the majority of the places that we would be stopping, we would not be allowed to have fires, ground fires, and so we needed to have some type of container that would be able to produce heat for our cooking. If we truly would have been cooking 100% army style, we would have boiled most everything we had in our mess kettles. And so we had to have some, that requires a lot of heat. And so batting back and forth different um, options and different ideas, Kevin had came up with a design that he felt like would act similar to a trench fire. And um, we couldn't find anyone or anything that was prefabricated that came close to that. And so we tried to find some welders that would make us something. And finally, at the very last week before we left, I think we got them about three days before we left, the shop over at Dow Chemical said they would make us these, we called them braziers for us and donate them to us if we would write them a receipt. And so Kevin gave them the design and when they came back we were a little bit overcome and overwhelmed with how huge they were and how heavy they were. How they each weighed 80 pounds and they were about two feet by one feet and they had huge legs that poked out. Anyway, they were very awkward, they were very cumbersome they were beasts. They took up a lot of room on our trailer and when we tried to cook with them we had some problems because they couldn't generate enough heat or if they did generate heat it went into the, the steel that they were made out of. They were made out of I think half inch, quarter inch steel and it was kind of wrapped around in a three-way trough but the trough, top of the trough came in and bent in so that we could set our pots on top of it. But um, they were so high so deep that we couldn't get the coals close enough to the mess kettles to get any heat. So we struggled along with them for quite a while and finally I just gave up because it was whatever we wanted to cook just took forever and we never ever had enough time. So they really, um, even though Kevin tried to construct a little 
um, wire rack to go on the grates that were inside them to try to keep the charcoals from falling down to the bottom when they got, you know, to a certain point. It was, they were just never, ever effective at giving us the kind of heat we wanted. The thing that worked the very best was some metal garbage can lids that Kevin had picked up at Ace Hardware, and we would put them, we would make a little triangle out of three bricks that we had, little house-type bricks, and then we would set them on that and put a little bit of dirt in the bottom of the garbage can lid, and then we used the charcoal starter chimneys. We would start our charcoal in that and then dump it onto the dirt in the garbage can lid, and then we would use our tripod that Brad Jones had made us, and that worked great. Then we could get enough heat, we could adjust the level, and that was really our best way of getting our meals cooked at that point. Once we got to Ulysses, Kansas, we met a reenactor named Jeff Trotman, and he showed us how he uses a tire rim. He has a he has an auto shop, a body shop. And so he would use just an old tire rim and get a piece of steel and put it inside the rim and use that for his brazier where he put his coals. And he gave us one of those. And after he gave us one of those, that was my favorite thing. But um, cooking mostly was with the garbage can lids, the charcoal chimneys. Every once in a while, we would get out the um, propane stoves that we had as backups when we just absolutely could not have any type of charcoal or fire. And then every once in a while, when we were really lucky, we got to have fires. And that was always really fun. <laughs>